Good morning. My name is Ron Roth, affectionately, and I hope it's affectionately, referred to as Rudy. Many of you know me, but some of you out there probably wonder who this guy is up on stage. I am one of the seven, seven members of your elder board here at the Eaton Church of the Brethren. As you are aware, the pastors are away on a retreat, so we ask that you keep them in your prayers and your thoughts as they meet, plan, and fellowship this weekend. Typically, when the pastors are away, it, it provides an opportunity for the elders to speak and address the congregation. This year, Dick Mitchell and myself have that honor to provide you with our testimony, our story, and our passion for Christ our Savior. As I tell my story, I may refer to I or we, but this story is truly not about me or Ginger, my lovely wife, or my family. It's about the glory of God, His will, not mine, His work in my life that can only be explained by faith in God's wondrous love having been witness to his work that too often many would discount as coincidence, but can only be explained by a loving and compassionate God. So my story begins, probably not much different than a lot of your stories out there. We moved to Eaton when I was four years old. I was too young to know, but my family religion was Catholic. I was baptized in the Catholic Church, and even my extended family in Cincinnati were very much devout Catholics. My sister Cherry, which many of you know, attended Catholic school until the seventh grade. And my brother Greg attended up until the fifth grade. With the move to Eaton, those days were left behind. We didn't attend the Visitation Church here in town on a regular basis. I went to catechism, but sparingly, and never made my first communion. God Jesus were not part of my life growing up. I still recall a time in high school, my first varsity football game as a sophomore, prior to taking the field, before the game, the team would kneel, and the coach would lead the team in the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going, whoa, what is this? I didn't know. What's this all about? I mumbled something, but I promise you it wasn't the Lord's Prayer. I was embarrassed that night. And a total disconnect is what I felt with God. Did that evening change my life? No. Did I seek the Lord in His Word? No. The only thing I did was learn the Lord's Prayer. After high school and into early adulthood, I still did not attend church or seek God. There was a time in a previous marriage that my wife and I attended St. Paul's United Methodist Church here in Eaton. It was great. We attended most Sundays, but not all. We helped with the youth program with another couple. But more importantly, I got to usher in January and February. Because you see, that's when the golfers or the men became involved in the church. So at this, this, is, at this point, this is my, the whole experience I've had with church in my life. Did it change my life? No. Did I seek the Lord and His Word? No. The only thing I did was master the fine art of being a pew warmer. Many years had passed. Oh, I would attend now and then just to keep my pew warmer status up to date. And as time passed, Ginger and I began to date. Many of you may not know this, but Ginger and I dated for 12 years. 
You see, I had two daughters, and Ginger had a son and a daughter. The two oldest were the same age. The two youngest ones were the same age, different school districts. So it was decided we didn't want to play the Brady Bunch, so we waited until the two younger ones graduated from high school. So Ginger and I were married in July of 2002. I got that right the first service. I said I thought it was July, but Ginger corrected me and said, yes, it was July. Now, this is where the story gets a little bit more exciting, I promise. In December of 2002, early December, I asked Ginger if she would be willing to go back to church. I told her I just had this feeling. I needed to learn more about God. I needed to know my God. Looking back, it's easy to explain now. God was pulling at my heart, inviting me into a relationship, a desire to seek him. Well, Ginger was all in favor of this. But I threw in one more snag or roadblock for her. I did not want to go in December, around the holidays. It just didn't feel right, too hypocritical for me. I didn't want to be a CEO, Christmas and Easter only. So that month of December, we had a considerable amount of time to discuss where to attend church. Of course, eating Church of the Brethren was right at the top of the list because Ginger's mom and dad were members here for many, many years. Many of you knew them, Chuck and Shirley Woodbury. Or do we go to the Methodist church, which I so fondly remember in my two warmer days? How about the small church in West Alexandria that Ginger had attended before? So on that first Sunday, January 2003, we entered the doors of the little church in West Alexandria. Of course, I really didn't know anyone, but many of those members embraced Ginger and welcomed us with open arms. But on that day, it wasn't those people that touched my heart, but the presence of God. God opened up his loving arms to me and said, welcome, my child. So glad you are here. I cannot explain the overwhelming feeling of joy and peace. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but my whole life changed that Sunday morning, 2003. I should point out, I don't think it really would have mattered whether it was St. John's Church in West Alexandria or whether it would have been St. Paul's United Methodist Church here in Eaton or the Eaton Church of the Brethren. God was taking control of my life and walking me into a personal relationship with him. I remember one of the first Psalms I had read, and I think it describes what was happening in my life at the time. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. God had lit a fire in me, an unquenchable thirst for his word, a desire to nurture this new relationship that I, I had never experienced before. Pew warmer, get out of the way. The old is gone. The new has come. I couldn't get enough. We began attending Sunday school, and it's like, wow, what's this all about? Actually learning about God? We joined a Bible study, and again, my thoughts were, whoa, I'm actually studying God's Word. And then a prayer group, it's like you could pray, you could pray outside of Sunday worship. This is too much. I don't mean to make light of these things, but you need to understand, for a new follower of God and Christ, these things were huge in my life, huge. My pastor became my mentor. With his help, encouragement, and patience, and the loving hand of God, I began on a very exciting and remarkable spiritual journey 
that I am still on this very day. In a few years, I became the lay leader of the church. Up until this time that we had been attending the church, the church had no lay leader. I assisted the pastor in all areas of Sunday worship, announcements, opening prayer, scripture reading, offertory prayer, communion. This was such a wonderful time in my walk with the Lord. But as time goes on, the pastor retires and things change. The atmosphere in the West Alexandria Church began to change also. Politics in the church became the focus, not God. David Rowcup spoke to the man at the men's breakfast a few weeks ago, and his message was about guarding your heart. I thought back to this difficult time and the ultimate decision to leave that church. Ginger and I were guarding our hearts. As a side note, the pastor and I still meet once a month for breakfast. We share prayer, and we are in God's Word. So a few years, a few years later, here we are at Eaton Church of the Brethren. Ironic, though, Chuck and Shirley have passed away, and now Ginger and I are members. I can't help thinking they are looking down on us with smiles on their faces. Glory be to God. I've got one more story, a good one, in my opinion. One that can only be described as the one true God moving in our lives. It all began on a warm Sunday, a warm summer July afternoon. How's that for the lead-in? Actually, it was in the summer, July 2006. We were having a family reunion in Ohio. Cherry and Keith, along with their family, were up from Florida. My mother and father were also up from Florida. We were having a great time. A little background information, though. My mother and father lived in Melbourne, Florida for the last 25 years. We would visit them typically once a year, maybe for a week, maybe a little bit less. The same goes for Cherry and Keith. Keith had retired from the Navy, and they had settled in Jacksonville, Florida, for the last nine years. Now back to that summer day. So this was a special time that we were all together as a family. Mom and Dad, my brother and sister-in-law and their family, Cherry and Keith and their family, and Ginger and I and our family. It was a great time, to say the least. We were in Locking Ground at my brother's house, fishing. But I also want to point out, too, uh, Mom and Dad stayed with Ginger and I because they liked me better. <laughs> and I was the favorite child. Anyway, we were fishing. And my mother loved to fish. She could sit hour upon hour with her line in the water, occasionally pulling it in to check her bait. So we were fishing, and Keith makes this profound statement. You know, I think I can live in Ohio. Now, you need to understand that Keith has visited Ohio before, and even in the winter. But he always proclaimed, I will never live in Ohio. How can you people stand this cold weather? But he threw that statement out there. I think I could live in Ohio. Well, the one person who clearly understood that proclamation was Cherry. That was all she needed to hear. Before that day was over, anyone who lived in Florida, they were moving back to Ohio. It was a done deal. Now, the process would be a little bit more challenging than you might think. Cherry was still working for the Social Security Administration and requesting a transfer with a government agency almost requires an act of God. Anyway, the process for the transfer was, has begun. Next, we started looking for a home for mom and dad. And that would be a little bit more involved than we originally thought. We're trying to find a single-story home for rent in Lockengren. But that wouldn't be the end of our family endeavor. 
So as things were progressing, it was decided to go ahead and move mom and dad back to Ohio now. Cherry was still working on her transfer, and at this point it looks like it could happen, but more than likely in Dayton, Hamilton, or Cincinnati. So it came down to a wait-and-see proposition. Are you with me so far? Okay. Now pay close attention, because this is where God is about to work in ways that only he can accomplish. His will, his way, his time. In September, Ginger and I were flying down to Florida, renting a Penske truck to move mom and dad back to Ohio. We were flying out on a Thursday morning. On Tuesday of that week, my mother went into the hospital. The doctor suspected congestive heart failure, but they would continue to run more tests. When we arrived on Thursday, mom was still in the hospital with no answers to questions and no true results at this point. We packed up their belongings, and on Sunday, we were heading back to Ohio, but no mom and dad. Mother got out of the hospital on that next Wednesday. However, we still did not have a good idea what was wrong with her. Cherry and Keith picked mom and dad up and headed back to Jacksonville. Friday, my brother drives to Florida and gets mom and dad and brings them back to Ohio into our home. So we have mom and dad settled in with us, doctor's appointment scheduled for mom to figure out what the problem was. And God is still working in our lives. He wasn't finished yet with bringing our family all together. Now we had an urgency to get Cherry and Keith and the family back to Ohio. Cherry's transfer came through. It isn't Dayton, it's not Hamilton, not Cincinnati, but Richmond, Indiana. A short 20-minute commute. Praise God. Next, they need, to sit the home, they need to get their home sold. So Cherry and Keith contact a friend in the real estate business to list the house. That very night of the listing, the same day of the listing, sold. Praise God. Okay, but now we need to find them a place to live in Ohio, preferably in Lockingren. Ginger and I live there. My brother lived there. They should live there too. A house, seven houses away from where Ginger and I lived, became available. And the owner will allow them to move in now and complete the process of buying the home later. So Cherry and Keith have a new home, seven houses away from Ginger and I. Praise God. Now, I need to understand, from the time we moved Mom and Dad's belongings to Ohio, my brother picks them up and then moves in with us, to the news of getting a new job, so selling one house and buying another one was a total of 15 days. 15 days. Praise God. Now back to mom and dad. We had taken mom to our family doctor and we were referred to a specialist, or in this case an oncologist. More testing, more x-rays, more blood work, all confirmed mother had cancer. At her tender age of 85, there would be no treatment. No radiation, no chemo, no comforting words, only the quiet utterance of its terminal. Mom has per perhaps six months to live. Well, my mother did pass away six months later on March 17, 2007, in a hospital bed in our living room. This was a difficult time, as many of you have experienced yourselves. Losing a parent, a spouse, a child, or a friend is never an easy time. But what I want to convey here in this message is not the death of my mother or the heartache of her passing, but the rejoicing in the love, compassion, and mercies of our glorious God. It was by God's will that we were able to come together as a family. 
all together to spend the last six months of our mother's life, all together as a family. We were able to share with her those final months and days. It's about God putting into motion in July to bring our family together. It's about God moving to provide a transfer of a job so close to home. It's about the power of God to provide selling one home and buying another one. All these things were not a coincidence. These things just didn't happen by chance. We have an amazing, awesome God, a loving God, and a caring God. One thing I'm particularly thankful to God for in all of his work is this. The night before my mother passed, Ginger and I were helping her into bed. Ginger had left the room, and my mother grabbed my sleeve, and she asked me, how much longer do I have? And I explained, not long, Mom. We sat there talking about life, her life, and we prayed. I thank God for that time and that moment with my mother. Without God moving and working in our lives, I would never have had that opportunity to be with my mother so near her death. Praise God. Now I would like to close with a few scriptures that are very meaningful to me and, and keep me focused on Christ in my life. I read from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith in the Son of God. Men's Bible study is currently studying Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This past Wednesday was our second session, and this verse was discussed in some length. And again, it's one of my favorite life verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Oh, this amazing grace God has given to each one of us. This grace is his gift to us through our faith. Faith in the Son of God, through faith, this amazing gift from God. I read from Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Faith. Faith in the Son of God. Through faith, this amazing gift of grace from God. We can't see God, but we can see his presence in our lives. We can feel his spirit in our hearts. We know that God loves each and every one of us. For God so loved the world, and he still does. Church, I would just like to thank you for this opportunity to speak to you today. May God bless each and every one of you. May God bless our pastors and our staff. And may God bless his church at Eaton Church of the Brethren. Thank you. <laughs> we missed. <laughs> Rudy and I practiced that tag team thing this morning. Many of, you, uh, many of you don't know that Rudy really doesn't have much peripheral vision at all. And so we completely missed it this morning and came really close that time. But at uh, any rate, my name is, is Dick Mitchell. And uh, my wife Cindy and I uh, are both members here. We have a son and a daughter who are also members here. And ironically right now, Cindy and Rudy's sister, sister Cherry are actually teaching greenhouse kids. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're over there, and uh, 
So this whole, this whole service is going to be rather ironic, I think. I don't know. At any rate, uh, I was born and raised here in Eaton. Uh, actually, I grew up in a little, not a little, in a farmhouse just across the street over here for where my brother still lives and, and farms over there. When I was young, I used to hold hogs for Cliff Ivers and for Everett Laird, who grew up, who raised on this area, on this farm. And I used to bale hay and straw on these fields where this church now sits. So I've got some pretty deep roots right, right here in this ground. When I was growing up, church and Sunday school were pretty important in our, in our family. Uh, we went almost always to both, uh, except, except in August. When my father, even like his father, decided that even God needed a break. You know, so August was pretty, pretty scarce uh, with us at church. So you see, for the most part, I was a, I was a Buick. Ron, Ron, Ron got to be the CEO guy. I get to be a Buick, which is a brought-up-in-church kid. Okay? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's the best I've got. Come on. Well, I, I learned about God and Jesus and his teaching and his preaching and... and all that stuff, but over the 20 years plus or minus that we attended the Presbyterian Church, I never once experienced an altar call or was encouraged to be born again in Christ. All the, all the preaching there just left me with the impression that if I was good enough and I was living a good enough life, then I was good enough to get into heaven. So I really didn't need to worry about too much because for the most part, I was a pretty good guy, was doing things pretty well. So I was, I was good to go. Well, I met Cindy at Miami University and we got married in 1975 and then moved back here to Eaton after I graduated from vet school in 1977. We went back to the same Presbyterian church pretty much out of habit, I think, and because my parents still went there. And even though I was elected to their leadership board, I, eventually we just, we just didn't like the way the church was going uh, individually. And we started to look a little bit and, and we, we moved to the church next door. So if you know where the Presbyterian church is, the Congregational Christian Church is right next door. So it was an easy transfer. And we both got very active in that church, uh, in both in church and Sunday school and children's activities. Uh, and we, were, we thought we were doing pretty well, but we eventually realized we weren't really hearing the word of God coming from the pulpit. And when we pretty much confronted our pastor there, what the doctrines were, what the beliefs were in, in our church, and he either couldn't or didn't answer, then we started looking again. We visited several churches here in Eaton, including Eaton Church of Brethren up on Barron Street, Ellis Guthrie was just finishing his term up there, and uh, Craig Smith was there to succeed him. And there was a very active youth program, which was important to us, under the leadership of Martin Peacock. And after the first or second visit there, we felt pretty comfortable with the, with the church and thought that was probably a pretty good place for us to grow in and be a part in and certainly raise our children in. So at this point in our lives, things were going pretty well. We had two healthy kids. We had a pretty good marriage. Uh, pretty good, Cindy. It was, it was, it was, she'll hear about that, I'm sure. Uh, a very active vet progress, a very active veterinary practice, some food on the table, a little money in the bank. Life is good. Cindy and I were now very active in all things in church, school, and the community. 
1996, you know, back in the old days, I was on the Eaton School Board and was serving my first term as, as president there. And the board was in the middle of a search for a new superintendent. When my brother Jim, lives over here, pretty much told me that I was going on a three-day spiritual retreat in Richmond called an Emmaus Walk. Well, I was pretty much sure, and I told him that I did not have the time or inclination or desire to give up uh, my time, but he insisted and, and I went. Besides, I probably needed a couple days off anyway. Well, this retreat started on a Thursday evening about seven o'clock, but that night we were having interviews for a school superintendent and I didn't get there until about two o'clock in the morning. Immediately, I felt totally out of place, very uncomfortable, very frustrated, uh, tired, and, and all I wanted to do was go to sleep, or better yet, just go home. Well, during the next two days, we were presented with the, the gospel in many different ways, and were encouraged to seek God's grace and worship. I wanted to go home. But God... Rudy had one of those but God moments he talked about. The Bible is full of but God moments. And almost always, after every but God in the Bible, something wonderful happens. Or somebody gets a two by four upside the head and says, this is the way it is. But God. It was at one of those services that all the men in this walk were to identify one personal trait or habit or something that they wanted to give, give up, you know, give up, give to Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm a designated crier too. Somebody on the elder board has to do it, you know. I'm, I'm at, let Mitchell cry, he's good at it. Uh, so at any rate, we were, to, we were to write down this trait, put it on a piece of paper, walk down front, with a prayer, lay this, this trait or habit or whatever in a collection plate and give it to Jesus. Okay, seemed pretty straightforward, logical thinking guy like me. I was good, wrote down my thing, started down the, the aisle, and, and out of nowhere was this cool then somewhat warming air. Maybe it was the air conditioning, but it was... It was presence of what I now know was the Holy Spirit that was surrounding me. And, and it literally, when I got down front, it literally took me to my knees, and, and I just realized that I was surrounded by God's presence. And, it, and at that moment, I gave up my pride. I saw it only humility, and in, I received Christ's love into my body, into my heart, not just in my brain where I had believed it for the last 30-some years, but actually into my heart. This whole time, I'd, I'd wanted to go home. And at that moment, I finally realized where home was, and not when, but how I was going to get there. Your salvation experience is, is probably the most, the biggest, the most important experience or event in your whole life. But there's other big events too, like, like I don't know, your, your first kiss, your, your graduation from high school, your driver's license, uh, 
your wedding, the births of your children, perhaps the death of a loved one. Well, our family is, I'm not crying for this, our family is preparing for a big event too with the upcoming wedding of our son Rob on March the 18th. <laughs> That's like less than three weeks from now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, well, no, almost time to panic, but, but I'll let Cindy do that. She's, she's really good about it. Uh, and Rob's fiance, Ruth, is, is a wonderful Christian young lady that we love very much, which is an awesome thing. Parents, you know, they are out there. And she and my wife are both excellent planners. So all I have to do is to be where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be, in my tux, and all will be well. Okay, so I'm good. Scripture says in, in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Jesus says the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And Paul follows up in Ephesians 5 saying to husbands and wives that they should, admit, should submit to one another as, uh, as Jesus submitted to the church out of reverence for Christ. Sorry. Husbands, you ought to submit and, and love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave him up for her. Now, little audience participation here. I want you to hold up your hands, keep them up for a minute. How many of you can honestly say that you love Jesus? All right. How many of you can, keep them up, how many of you can honestly say that you love your spouse? Well, there's a bunch going down. Uh, <laughs> I just, <laughs> that's a little scary. Okay, you, everybody put them down now. We're, hopefully, hopefully those are just the people that aren't married. You guys, you guys are off the hook. I hope. Most, uh, we've told our kids, and most marriage counselors and advisors will tell people, young people, that when you're finding somebody that you want to make your spouse, you need to find someone that you can love, even during those times when you don't like them very much. Excuse me. So, a relationship with a church is a lot like a relationship between a man and a woman. First, there's something that attracts you to the church, much like a, a smile or an action by that special someone. As you enter into a relationship, sometimes cautiously, but usually there's a, uh, an excited and almost lustful kind of feeling that comes over an eagerness that become part of the body of believers. Well, with time and, and growth, there follows a point of, of commitment, much like a marriage when you decide to become a, you profess your beliefs and become a member of that church. Time, experience, interactions, growth, and hopefully all these lead to a growing love for and dependence not just on God, but also on the membership of the church. Much like a husband and wife grow and change and mature in their marriage, God says that if we seek him and follow his word, that we will prosper and we will be cared for in times of need. He is faithful. Honestly, I can't begin to tell you how many times and how many ways that Cindy and I have experienced the, the love of Christ through the members here at this church. And we thank you for that. As we get older and look back on, on some of the good things and bad things that we've said and done, the people we've helped, the people we've hurt, are those that have hurt us. 
this is this is difficult and and we want to remember to thank God for all the good things and the good people that he's given us in our lives. We want to remember to thank God and, and ask him for, for his forgiveness from all those we've hurt or disappointed. And we'd like to forgive those who have hurt us or disappointed us. But most of all, we want to recognize our God as our Father and King. And we're going to watch a video here in just a second. This King, this God that we serve, His word is truth. His word goes on forever. And this is a King who gave up His only Son. I don't think I could do that. He gave up His only Son to take care of the sins, our sins, and allow us at one point to come in the presence of his father, our father, our king. Watch the video as we go from death to life to praise for our king. Thank you. Oh, I wish I was. In the land of cotton, old times are not forgotten. Look away, look away, look away, Dixieland. Sing it, fellas. You know your daddy's 
bound to die But all my trials, Lord Soon be over time we've ever had Elvis in church. <laughs> After today, it may be the last. I, I, I don't know. I love that arrangement of American Trilogy by Elvis. He was called the king by many of his fans and music people. But you know what? That king, Elvis, is gone. Most people even think Elvis is dead. <laughs> but my king, my God and king is alive. My God and king is faithful. My God's love is eternal. My God's love is here at ECOB. And with your faith and your faithfulness to him, it always will be. And folks, anybody, if you don't have, if your king isn't my king, then come down here after this service or during this song, and one of our elders will pray with you. Do not miss the greatest experience of your life. God bless you. Take care. Have a great day, a great week. Thank you.